Do you love yourself? If you've been with a narcissist, your self-love has probably been beaten down, maybe even to the point of self-abandonment. Self-abandonment means that you have given up all love for yourself. You talk badly to yourself. I'm not good enough. That's I'll never get that job. I'm not worthy of that person. These things that come into our head are part of self-abandonment. And today I've got two friends that are going to discuss self-abandonment with us because this is such an important topic, guys. If, if we don't learn to recognize it, we become extremely good narc supply. And I don't want that to happen to you guys. So we're, we're going to um, talk about self-abandonment. This is Tracy Malone. And um, I am the founder of NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. But right now, let's go meet Aliza and Casey. Oh, girls. Okay, welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited to have both Alyssa and Casey here. Um, and so why don't you guys start off by telling me a little bit about yourselves? And um, I know you've got a new podcast out there, so let's hear about that as well. Who wants to go first? Aliza. Ah, uh, okay. I was going to throw it over to you, Casey, but I'll start. <laughs> Uh, I'm Elisa Stamps. I'm a licensed clinical social worker out of Philadelphia area. I specialize in working with adult children of narcissists, as well as folks struggling with uh, disordered eating and body image. I'm the author of the book, um, the <laughs> thanks, Tracy, the Gaslighting Recovery Journal. And <laughs> thank you. You're like Vanna White with the book. Um, and myself and Casey just recently started a podcast, and I'm going to let Casey do the title because she does it so well. I love the way she does it. So that's about <laughs> me, and we'll throw it over to you. My name is Casey Jarvis McStravick. I am transitioning over to my married name. <laughs> it's Great. a pain, people, <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to make that happen. Um, so I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, also in Pennsylvania, more specifically in the greater Philadelphia area. I specialize in helping people deal with narcissistic abuse, more specifically with romantic relationships, either people who feel that they're stuck in one or who are out of it and want to change that pattern. Um, and the title of my podcast with Elisa is Am I the crazy one? That line that people say to both of us multiple times a day. Yes. Who are dealing with narcissistic abuse. Yeah. yeah. I am so excited about your podcast. Everybody, we're going to put a link down below so that you guys can check them out. Um, Elisa's been on my um my channel here a couple times and um i love her work and i do love her book so we are going to talk today about self-abandonment and this is something that many victims of narcissistic abuse suffer with so would someone like to give us an explanation of it i'd be happy to jump in so yeah. i think self-abandonment is relevant anytime we're discussing codependent tendencies um anytime we are 
uh, gaslit and and abandoning our reality. So self-abandonment is essentially abandoning your sense of self, your reality, your needs for the sake of maybe gaining approval or some semblance of love from another person. Mm -hmm. Such a good way to say it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, why do victims of narcissistic abuse have this happen? I mean, I really, you know, and it's something that kind of uh, inspired the title of the group that I run too, called Shattering the Mirror. I really believe it's because we're so intertwined and enmeshed with the narcissist, be it our parent, be it a spouse, be it, you know, a boss, um, that we just lose ourselves in it. So it's very hard to tell where we begin and the narcissist ends and vice versa. And it is a complete abandoning of the authentic self, which maybe, you know, was really not totally there to begin with because we weren't allowed for it to be. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and then when we're raised by a narcissist as well, I think there's a lot of um, kind of grooming that goes on that you're not allowed to have your own needs and wishes, right? So when you start off on a platform and not every victim of narcissistic abuse has that tie to a parent, but when you do, you are starting off with a who am I? And you become that people pleaser to keep the peace in your family's home. And you become that person that is doing for others. And then what does Tracy really like to do? What is Tracy? Like I have been learning about me for this year. I had a horoscope thing from this amazing woman in, in Australia. And it was um, finding yourself was the, the the theme for the year. And so I just started to really look at how I didn't know who I was. And, and I'm 10 years past my divorce, five years past my last narc. And I just didn't know who I was because as a daughter of a narcissistic family, I never had that. So does anyone want to speak about how people, again, like myself, just sort of who am I? What do I like to do when we are so used to like going on? And and, and I, I watched a movie with, um, again, sick last week, <laughs> watching you know, some dumb movies towards the end of the week was was a Julia Roberts movie about um, like dating a bunch of or almost getting engaged like six times, 10 times or something. And and I think that the other male star was like, what kind of eggs do you like? And he went to every single guy and went, oh, I like sunny side up. No, I like scrambled. And she really didn't know. And that's what I was like. I'm like, I don't really know. I always just went along on their vacation ideas or, you know, it, it, it it's again, a byproduct of, of being raised or being in a relationship like this. So um, what, what is, do we want to talk about that? I feel like, this is the perfect question for Eliza, you know, to start us with because her specialty is adult children of narcissists. She really gets to the crux of how this starts in the family system before you meet the narcissist later on in adulthood in, in your romantic relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Casey. So, um, you know, what comes up for me is, is when I work with folks, I think something that we talk about a lot is, well, what do you want? What do you like? Mm -hmm. And it's really easy for them to answer what they don't want. It's not so easy for them to answer 
well, what do I like? What do I want? And I think Tracy, what you said about, yeah, the movie Runaway Bride, I, I, I totally know the scene you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, we just, we're never encouraged to have our own likes or dislikes. Autonomy is squashed from the get-go. We are there to be in the shadow and be the mirror of the narcissistic parent. Mm -hmm. So our likes are, you know, tailored off of what they want, what they like, how they want our hair to look, how they want us to dress, how how they want us to speak. I mean, everything. Mm -hmm. So, and then, you know, then we get to Casey who works with relationships and how that trickles down. So I don't know if you want to take it from here. Yeah, I would add to to what you're saying that I think kids, they also can really sense the fragility of the parent who is doing that to them. Like, even to bring it down to like a a really basic, like nervous system, mind-body thing, you know, for that super fragile parent, that child having a difference is a threat to the to the nervous system sense of of um, relational safety, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so you you learn that when you disagree with another person, that's a threat to that relationship. You could possibly lose that relationship, or that person could possibly become unhinged if there's a difference. So in their romantic adult relationships, that's how you operate. You, I call it a con unconscious accommodating. Mm. Like you might have those moments. Okay. Tracy, you're definitely going to relate to this one. You know, at the beginning of dating a narcissist, mm-hmm. how in the very beginning, like there are those moments where you're like, huh, <laughs> Then you like, like that, just dismiss it and go, okay, fine. You do you. Yeah. Okay. That's like, that's like what you learn to do as a kid is you just yeah. doesn't feel right to me, but you know, it's more important that I keep you and that you want me and that you're content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's giving away all your power, right? That's part of the self abandonment is my needs come last, I will take care of. And, you know, again, these confusing times, like you just said, it's like light bulbs going off when we are in a relationship with them. And you're just like, okay, that was really weird. Why would they do that? Well, maybe it's just them. I just have to get used to it, right? So we justify this weirdness when it's really our intuition going, knock, knock. Yes. Yes. So the dangers of self-abandoning are things like not being able to set boundaries because you don't feel like you're entitled to it. What are the other dangers of not having and having self-abandonment, not having that self-love to stand up for yourself? Besides that, you get involved in other narcissistic relationships. (laughs) I, I think your acceptance of things that maybe otherwise you wouldn't be accepting of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, different ways that the narcissist controls and sort of saying, well, you know, that's just them. They, you know, mm-hmm. or even confusing um, certain gestures for love bombing. 
you know, I think there's just that your head spins, you lose the sense of reality, like your own truth gets Mm -hmm. really, really lost in everything. And I think people live in fear. They live in guilt and shame because they've abandoned themselves. And so anything that they do, they, they, the perfectionism comes in where they've done something terribly wrong when it's really no big deal. But when you're with like someone that's going to, you know, sort of encourage you to have no self-love and, and, and sort of, I'm more important, like, like me more than that, right? When you have self-abandoned yourself, then you are putting yourself in a situation of great vulnerability. Absolutely. I love the word vulnerability. That's exactly what happens. You're vulnerable to being gaslit and having your reality shaped for you by somebody who knows, consciously or unconsciously knows, that they can do that to you. Mm-hmm. So they can alter the reality for both of you that suits them to make them and their brain and body more at ease. So what does someone do if they are self-abandoning themselves? What would, what advice would you give your client and just be like, first of all, I think they have to recognize it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I always say awareness is the first step. We cannot do anything. We cannot make any shifts or changes if we are not aware. So I think that can be a really good place to start with folks is like just recognizing these behaviors and then tuning into what is happening for us. What are our reactions about? How does this feel for us? Mm-hmm. Is this okay? You know, and then and then moving on from there. But I always say it, it is a process. It is a process to make these kinds of um, transitions for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And how about you, Casey? By the time people get to me or are even engaging in this kind of content about the abuse, they're already contemplating that perhaps there is a self in there that they've been abandoning. And maybe that self has a valid and real perception of reality. So they're already kind of in that contemplative stage. Mm -hmm. So really it's like continuing to build on that, maybe doing it in some smaller ways or with some less threatening relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe too big to start setting boundaries with people they're a little more intimidated by. But, you know, could you like tell somebody no about anything, even like the most benign thing? Could you just do that? Listen to yourself one time in the next week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell the Starbucks lady you want more whipped cream because <laughs> someone who is not able to speak up for themselves takes it and there wasn't any whipped cream. And they're just like, okay, kind of like we said in the beginning, we just succumb to the, okay, I didn't get my way. I'm used to that. Oh my God. What a great example. Yeah. Or like, that's not how you spell my name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think, and I think too, as the therapist, sometimes our work is just really primal relational work with our clients. Mm-hmm. where we're just seeing them and maybe it's the first time somebody has actually seen them like we can see that I can see you through there mm-hmm. uh, you know I see your heart I I am connecting with you and and sometimes that's the basic work too that can be so healing for mm-hmm. folks that are so starved and deprived of any sort of um 
you know, relation, unconditional relationships. Right. And I, and I think there's a big part of the recovery, at least on my non-therapy way, is to really go, all right, if we've abandoned ourselves, how do we get her back? How do we do the work to figure out like what we do like? Do we like scrambled eggs? Do we like this kind of eggs, right? Well, how do we do? And and for me in this year of, you know, discovering myself, I'm like sitting there every single day going, I will never watch that sports channel option on my TV. Oh yeah, that's who I am. Oh, I will. I don't like that. I hate, you know, movies with murder and crime because it stirs up my trauma. I would have never been that aware. So if I got into a situation and a client had this happen last week where they were with a, a new guy who wanted to watch a, a really horrible like murder movie and she was like, no, I can't. It triggers me. And he didn't care. He was like, you have to just suck it up and get used to it. Right. And so I would have done that too. I watched fucking Lord of the Rings. Sorry, I swore um, a thousand <laughs> times. And I, if that even comes on the TV, I just go, you know, it was about learning. What do I like? Do I like this kind of eggs? Do I like that? Do I like to go on vacation this way? Do I like to be really busy on a vacation or do I like to sit by a pool? I need, I needed to know what Tracy likes. And it, it's so rewarding because now I will never abandon myself because this is the bar. This is where I, what I am, who I am, what I want in life. And I'm not just giving it away again. Self-abandonment costs us a lot. And this is something I think knowing who you are is part of it and looking at the little things. Because if, if we just look at the little things, the bigger things start to bloom, right? It's not that we have this sort of, oh, I don't really care about sports. That's not who I am, but it is. It's part of who you are. Um, I'm teaching a who you are class on Friday and I've been like I walked around my house the other day and I was like I have 27 plants in my house and I I have like 47 pairs of shoes but I only wear three you know and I was like these are the things like I never looked at why do I have 47 pairs if I don't wear them right <laughs> it's it's sort of like this is me going yeah those were in the, that lifestyle or that time but this is why I'm now and I'm wearing those three and that's where you take ownership of really every little detail to the point where the bigger ones come into focus and we go, I'm never, never abandoning myself again, because now I know who she is. Yeah. Really? And I think, oh, go ahead, Casey. Sorry. No, I'm sorry, Lisa. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say that I think another key ingredient to not self-abandoning is a willingness to lose people. Mm. the willingness to lose a relationship mm -hmm. to lose approval in that moment even can be a lot to somebody who is raised in a narcissistic family system mm -hmm. yeah so for me like even just preparing yourself around that like could I be willing to not be liked in this moment mm -hmm. getting conscious about that such a good point really good point yeah Such a good point yeah and and if you think about it like it's the fear of losing someone um that keeps us from stepping out of the box of independence right we're just like well if i speak up and i did i did a video a few weeks ago with um dr amy brown and we were talking about a case study that this girl was like 
in an abusive relationship and or not, not so much an abusive relationship, but she got an email from the other girlfriend with, here's all our texts. I thought you should know. And she called me up and said, oh my God, what do I do? And I'm like, check his phone. <laughs> like, if he really blocked her, he could just show you the phone. Like that would make sense. Right. But she's like, but if I ask him that he might leave. I'm like, if you ask him that you might actually dodge a bullet because he's lying to you. Would you like to know now or in 30 years? Like that's the bottom line is, and it turned out that he was engaged with this other woman and, and still doing it, but she had no self-confidence and the fear, as you just said, Casey, of her going, I can't risk, I can't risk speaking up. And that's in so many, if you think about so many different ways that people abandon themselves, that fear of, you know, either doing something wrong because, you know, good girls don't do anything wrong and, and boys too, just so you know, um, but but also just the fear of losing someone. If I speak up and say, I don't like that kind of eggs, they might leave me. I, I also, I'll take it, you know, even a little deeper and piggyback off of that is the fear of not being loved or mm -hmm. that I'm unlovable. Bing, you hit it, girl. <laughs> yep. yep. There's the core belief right there. Mm-hmm. If they don't want me, I'm unlovable. Right. Yeah. And I do believe part of our work is to help folks be okay with not needing that love from that specific person or that kind of love anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that is the, the purpose of our work is for them to see the light and to feel safe wherever they are. And again, if you're married to them and you have no way out, they're very trapped. But if you are in a situation where you're dating, like the example we just gave, you know what? I would rather dodge a bullet, but then I have taken so many bullets. People who have never experienced narcissistic abuse to know how radical cheating and betrayal can be, they're more trusting of it. So, you know, when you're you've been shot by the bullet you you really learn not to touch the stove if that makes sense you're learning to be more cautious where people who are not even familiar that they're self-abandoning or are you know people please are codependent whatever you want to put us in they just don't get it they don't understand it and so therefore they will completely re you know repeat the same patterns until someone goes hey you know what do you like to do well, I don't know. You know, it's 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 how we are victims. If you think about it, someone with lack of self love and someone who is easily swayed to self abandon and put someone else's needs above them make us like the the best narc bait of all. Absolutely. Yeah. In my lived experience, one of the most powerful things for me to reduce I won't say totally stop because I don't think that's realistic or honest for me to reduce self-abandonment um, and to be willing to let go of certain relationships um, is gaining people in my life that make me feel safe and loved and sometimes you know people don't immediately have access to that but sometimes you do and they're just the people that don't seem as immediately as exciting oh, <laughs> they don't have that narcissistic delicious chaos fireworks excitement going on mm -hmm. um, but having those healthier relationships to 
contrast with the narcissistic relationships, you know, that doesn't have to just be romantic, could be a friendship. Um, they kind of put things in perspective and make you go, why am I dealing with that? <laughs> yeah. I think you brought up such a good point too around this addiction to And, you know, when we've been in these um, relationship patterns, we to that chaos and it seems so exciting. Um, and so I'm really glad you brought that point up. Yeah, for sure. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and there, another thing that you, you brought up when you were saying something, Casey, was sort of um, the recovery of this. Like, this is not oh, I'm never going to self-abandon myself again. It's catching yourself going, wait a second, what am I doing here? Am I putting someone else before my needs? And this is not selfish. Like a lot of people get all riled up going, I don't want to be like the narcissist. I'm not going to be selfish. You know, selfish for self is different than selfish for, you know, taking from everybody, right? And so people have to really understand that, when you are going through this, there'll be a time, there'll be a place where you're going to feel it again, but you're going to feel it. You're going to understand, oh, it's coming and I can feel I'm doing it and I can, boom, 20 minutes later, I'm out of that loop versus staying under the covers and just being unable to be productive because you can't recognize it. You can't learn the skills to slow it down, to turn it off, to recognize it as we said in the beginning, but then empower yourself to go, I see what that is, but I'm not playing that game right now. Other Tracy, go away. You know, <laughs> power to turn those thoughts off but we have to recognize them. And so I think everyone has to understand this isn't a, I'm all better now, nor is setting boundaries, nor is understanding this. It is like our recovery is just a bounce versus a, a dip into a, a, a you know, cavernous cave. So that's what I think is really important about what you said is they have to understand this isn't a, I'm better now, but I'm getting better. I recognize it and I can move towards something that respects myself. And if I feel that weird pain in my stomach, that, that not the, the weird confusion of somebody saying something at that moment to go, let me pay attention to this. How do I feel when they're doing that? How is this familiar? Do I like the way I feel when someone is telling me this? And to pay attention to that because, you know, it doesn't have to be full blown out narcissism and people get hung up on that, as you said, but it's, it's learning that they could just do shitty things. They could just be controlling you and saying, well, I really don't like it when you do that, or, you know, it helped me more if you do this, if it feels controlling, you know, that might not be the person for you. And, and. I had a client the other day, she was like, but he's so nice and he's so wonderful. I'm like, they always are, you know, <laughs> in the beginning, it's the weird things that, 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 that intuition pinging you is, is warning you that something isn't right here. So pay attention to that so that you don't self-abandon. Right. And, and really paying attention and being attuned to that is an example of not self-abandoning. Right. That is another step we can take. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I I'm thinking the word like, oh, self-involved. Well, let's flip that and say, you know what? I am choosing to be involved with myself. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and that is what I am working to discover. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love what you just said. It the way you said that, Aliza, 
even made that that one step of noticing and tuning in worth celebrating. Totally. Just that one thing is a thing that, that you weren't able to do before, something you didn't catch before, even if you don't change what you do with it, even if you still self-abandon, you noticed you had that visceral feeling. Um, but I'll bet if you're somebody who self-abandons um, and people pleases, probably would be hard to celebrate that one milestone for yourself. Yeah. So I'm here to say that it is worth celebrating. Yes. And <laughs> every time we celebrate, we're bringing ourselves closer to self, right? We are rewarding ourselves versus I could have done better. I should have done this. That is self-abandoning when we talk like that. So people can get the example of it. It is, you know, oh, yeah, I, I don't really deserve that promotion or, you know, yeah, I guess I don't deserve someone better than this. You know, this is fine. Those kind of thoughts are self-abandoning. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Can you guys give us any more ideas of how, like those kind of things that you see? I think part of the root too is um, beginning to, feel worthy and deserving mm -hmm. of something different and better. Um, I remember saying that to a client recently in a session that like, you are such an incredible person. You are deserving of somebody that sees you and meets you with that. And there was just such a like overwhelming emotion that came over this person. And they, they said how hard that is to hear. But I think you know, that's the first step. That's not the first step, but that is definitely a step in the process of, you know, exploring that self-love, that self-worth, kind of de, what's the word? Um, Untangling? Say it again. Untangling? Untangling these, these messages that were so embedded and projected upon us so that we can get to the core. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I teach a, a course on abandonment and a lot of victims also, again, whether it was their parents or the narcissist in their life that abandoned them. And it doesn't mean physically, but that, that emotionally attached to the abandonment wound. Um, and then they're also, they've got that wound from being abandoned and then they complex it and just make it into, I'm now abandoning myself. So now we are all alone on the mountain, right? We are just feeling like nobody loves us. And this is the danger here because this is what, if we feel all alone on the mountain and nobody cares for us, nobody loves us, and we don't love ourselves, again, narc bait, thank you very much. Or, you know, staying with someone who's abusive because of that fear that we discussed, right? So having this confidence in yourself means hopefully you won't tolerate this again. As therapists, um, we kind of focus on, you know, reparenting the self, especially Eliza and I use a similar, I think, approach with our clients. We use, she uses this more heavily than I do, um, parts work. So we help clients identify the internalized parent, you know, the, the voice of the original parent that now exists within you as a part of you and parents you. Like you're parenting yourself with the same freaking problematic messages mm -hmm. that 
came from your parents. So that could be a bit of a hard one for people to recognize when they're focused on how others are treating them. And it's like, oh, damn, actually, I've really been doing this to me. <laughs> like, yeah. So focusing yeah. on, like, not focusing, but building awareness of that and introducing some other kinds of language and attitudes toward yourself. That's what's going to replace the relationship that you're so afraid to lose mm -hmm. from that disapproval. Yeah. Yeah. And, and let's remember too, that the core fear of the narcissist is the fear of abandonment, real or perceived. Mm -hmm. So they are working from that place. They are projecting that onto us constantly. So to think that we also won't have inherited that fear for ourselves or the feeling of abandonment or the fear of abandonment, I think, you know, we've got to look at that too. It's a really big nut, but it is part of the process of recovery. So, you know, there's so many other things that can come into our recovery. Abandonment is one we're talking about. Self-abandonment is the other. Learning boundaries, learning, um, you know, how to manage your fears, your triggers. There's so much that people need to do. This is a silo, and it's a pretty big one for most of the people that really need to dig into this and learn how to heal because again, that vulnerability is narcissists could smell it. It's like, yeah. they're like, Ooh, you don't have a good, healthy family. I'll pick you, you know, and, and you're, I'll be your family. And, and that's what someone with an unabandoned family wants. I, I wanted it. I married a family. I thought, Oh, they're like, we're your family now. Oh, I have a family. Right. Mission accomplished until they weren't right. And so I fell into the trap of wanting that family because I didn't have one. And then again, gave a little bit more of my soul every day until there was hardly anything left of me. You should see the pictures of me in the last years of my marriage. I am frighteningly Stepford wife, deer in the headlights. It's such a scary thing to look at because that's not me now, but I was a shell and I was just a puppet. You do this, you do that. This is how we do it. I don't. I, I told someone on an interview the other day that when I, when I know we were doing one on in-laws, within a month and a half or two months of dating my ex-husband, his parents threw away all my clothes and took me out shopping to Barney's and Saks Fifth Avenue and, and bought me all new clothes. And like, it was this treat. It was like, it's so special. And I still go, I miss my favorite skirt. They gave away everything. Mm -hmm. This is how people, this is how we are. And you just have to fall into the family now. And, you know, this is how you have to dress. And again, where's the Tracy favorite dress? I just let them take it away without even a fight. And I was just like, well, if I complain, then they might not love me. They'll abandon me. I'll be alone. And so it kept me there and it lost all my clothes. <laughs> the power of that fear is overwhelming. And so managing your fears is going to be a big part of this because sometimes like the story I gave with the, the, the girlfriend and the texts and all of that, sometimes you're better to know that they're a jerk and get out now, cut bait versus yeah. for so long. Hmm. Did we miss anything? I was just thinking, you know what else they can smell? What? 
as soon as you start to regain a sense of self and some independence, they, you can be on the other side of the planet and have zero contact. They will smell it. I'm telling you, like <laughs> they have a radar yeah. and that's the day that they will pop up back in your phone and see if they just know it's incredible. They just freaking know every time. So buckle up for that. You know, you're going to meet resistance and attempts to get you re, uh, to bring you back into the status quo. Yeah, for sure. And don't fall for the, the part that says, well, maybe this time it'll be different. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. That should just be outlawed. Like yeah. for our own sake, if we're going to self love, we will never tell ourselves this time it will be different because we all know you can't change them or at least people who are in recovery looking at self-abandonment at this point of their journey are going yeah i don't want that again but um yeah so instead we could say this time we will be different Ooh. hallelujah rephrasing we love that <laughs> it's like if we could just put recordings through our head and go could you wash it out like dental floss Wee! And then take out the bad stuff and only put in the good stuff that is self-loving. And that's what people need to know about self-abandon. If you don't love yourself, it's really easy to jump off the self-abandonment and, and jump into someone else's choice of eggs. I'm glad that we could pull that together. See, I didn't know the movie name, but it's coming in. <laughs> I was like, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Well, ladies, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much again for being with me. And I look forward to seeing you guys again soon. Um, and I will put all the links down below for people to please follow their podcast and, you know, just be a part of their mailing list, be a part of whatever they've got because it's gold. So thank you, babies. Thank, thank you. you. It's been a blast. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much for having us. Really appreciate it. Glad to be here. You know that. I hope that you guys like that. Aren't they great? I love them so much. Please check out their podcast. We will put a link down below. Again, this is Tracy Malone. If you are on the recovery journey of narcissistic abuse, I post and have lots of interviews with people that are going to help us learn how to emotionally regulate ourselves and, and be more resilient in our emotional capacity. One of them is to learn about self-abandonment, self-love, self-healing, figuring out who you are. All of these are part of the journey to recover from a narcissist. So this is Tracy Malone. If you are looking for more resources, please visit my website, NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. There is a link down below and you are going to find all kinds of resources that are going to help you heal or even understand what narcissistic abuse is. So thank you so much and I'll see you again next time.